Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Family Health Podcast, a podcast for families and leaders that want to strengthen families. My name is Dr. Corey Gilbert, an author, university professor, licensed professional counselor, a life coach, and researcher, and speaker on topics such as trauma, abuse, sexual ethics, and gender, and sexuality issues today. I will be your host. In this podcast, we'll be focusing on four areas. See these as a quadrant, your health, your purpose, your relationships, and your work. Each week, we'll be diving into one of these four areas with the goal of challenging you and encouraging you in building strong families. We're sponsored by the Family Launch Academy, a community of families, parents, and leaders that want to see their children launched well into adulthood, prepared for what's to come. Find out more about the community, resources, courses, trainings, and Q&As with me, Dr. Gilbert, and the Family Launch Academy by joining our free Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Family Launch Academy. Now let's get into this week's episode. There are some very critical topics that we need to cover during the ages of 6 to 10. And I know many of you are saying, no, not till after they're a teenager. It's too late in my estimation and my findings when it comes to waiting until a teenager. So these are seeds that are planted when they are younger, ages 6 to 10. One of those topics, boyfriend-girlfriend. Be intentional about developing a framework of thinking about dating and relationships that they can own as they mature. What is the purpose of dating? What does boyfriend-girlfriend even mean? What is attraction, desire, and lust? How do I manage these weird feelings? Prepare them to say no. Prepare them to question a culture that deems them broken or same-sex attracted if they do not lose their virginity in their teens. Arm them with a defense that they can own as they mature. As they grow, what they once repeated because they knew it was the right answer can become their own deep-seated conviction. Prepare your child to see dating as a fun activity that is done in groups and that there is no need for singling out one individual to date until they have a job and their own money and car. Parents should not be funding their children's dating life. They also do not need to date until they are mature enough to be responsible for someone else's heart and the baby that could potentially be on the way when they begin dating young. Inspire them with a desire for a marriage that will go the distance, a marriage that is filled with laughter and joy and is prepared to endure during the hard times. Be an example of the kind of marriage you want for your children. When I was seven years old, my family was living in Costa Rica attending language school. My mother went into the emergency room and came out of surgery with a mastectomy. The doctors had discovered cancer and it was war for her life. I watched my father love my mother through radiation and chemotherapy. Watching him serve her through this time was a tremendous example to me of what love should be. Ten years later, when they went down the same road with a cancer battle, This commitment and service continued to solidify the type of husband that I wanted to be, and this helped me to clarify what was truly important in a future wife. Another area is a more descriptive anatomy lesson. This is a time that you need to be sure your child has a good grasp of basic anatomy. They need to understand the human reproductive system so that they know the effect of bringing a penis and vagina together. They need to know the whys and why nots of sexual activity before their hormones are raging and their decision-making becomes further impaired. Help them see beauty in their own bodies and the bodies of the opposite sex. Help them become protectors and leaders of a healthy sexual ethic. As they live amongst peers that have a very different sexual ethic, 
My hope is that our children would treat others respectfully and show themselves to be people of honor. This is a huge win. Teach your daughters and sons about menstruation. Your daughter especially needs to know what to expect and what products are available to her. Your sons need to know that this is not something to tease a girl about and how to react when a young female peer has a clothing issue during their period. Help them know how to process visual stimulation that is arousing by normalizing it. Explain to them that their thoughts and feelings should never be their guide. This is usually unreliable data. By having these micro-conversations all along the way, you will have given them a compass to orient themselves when they are pulled in different directions. A key factor is not to put too much emphasis on what your children say, since they will often tell us what we want to hear. However, we want to capture their hearts and attempt to know what is going on in their heart and mind, as that is what will ultimately guide behavior and the choices they make. Another really important topic, the M word. This is a real issue. The first word of advice is not to be a parent that fuels shame. Be a redemptive voice. Almost all boys and even many girls will engage in this behavior. Be ahead of the curve and prepared by talking about it. It is okay to express your feelings and opinions, but be careful to refrain from pure judgment. Another one is boundaries. At this age, help your children to set boundaries. The family system invites this continual activity. Conflicts between siblings and parents require the implementation of boundaries. However, we as parents often do not model appropriate boundaries. For some of us, we deem setting a boundary as unloving, when it is quite the opposite. When this activity is simply operating in the background of our minds, like an operating system, it is less helpful. The goal is to bring this out into the open via dialogue. Express where appropriate boundaries are with different individuals. You'll most likely see improvements in your own boundaries at home and elsewhere. Discuss options and make decisions about what to do when boundaries are crossed. Move the unconscious reactions to the forefront of of their thoughts. It is amazing how this process can change everything in our decision-making routines. Boundaries are a matter of self-care and an aid to prevent abuse. Boundaries matter in all relationships, family, friends, dating, courting, marriage, and even business. Another really important topic is pornography. I know it seems too early, but it is not. When my middle son was seven years old, I took him with me to a presentation I did for a young life group of teen boys. The topic was porn. It was an incredible two hours full of honest and vulnerable discussion, which is not normal. It was a refreshing evening. As my son and I drove home, I asked him, So, any questions about what we discussed? His reply was, I had no idea what you guys were talking about. I probed some more, since it is you know, my job to be proactive, and saw that he was in a good place. At the age of 10, he often attends classes I teach on the subject. Uh, we discuss pornography at the dinner table, and it comes up almost every day in some form or fashion. It is a normal part of conversation. We want to have talked about this so much that they have an almost automatic reaction when the door to porn opens so that they are able to close it, expose it, talk about it, help your son and daughter see for themselves why this is damaging to their future selves. You cannot protect them for long. You can try things like filters and avoiding all screens, but this only protects them if they're in your home on your monitor devices and networks. What will happen when a friend or cousin visits from school or church and has their own device? 
What about when they attend a sport or band camp or church camp and that door is swung wide open? The goal is that they know how to process the feelings and curiosity when temptation comes and can quickly respond with a no thanks and turn away from the screen. Pornography works. It sucks us in because we are naturally and healthily drawn to nudity and beauty. Create an ethic and ethos that is redemptive and not punitive. Remind yourself and teach your child that each person in those videos and pictures has a story. They are real people, and most of them are being exploited and abused. For many of the porn stars, this is a step up from the rough life they were brought up in, and they hope it will be a means of escape. This ought to be heartbreaking. Express this to your children. Discuss human trafficking. Maybe even get involved in some way as a family in helping prevent and or support efforts of organizations aimed at eradicating this gross exploitation of fellow humans from all walks of life. Remember that the door to pornography, once opened, can rarely be shut permanently. I've often wondered why God chooses not to remove this temptation 10 or 20 years down the road, and I've come to believe that it serves as a reminder of our humanity and need for a Savior. We cannot do this alone. If your son or daughter has opened this door, and the average age is between 6 and 10, be a listening ear in a place of love, compassion, hope, and care. Do not punish or shame them for their behavior. Please do not do that. The voice of the enemy is already at work in your child's heart, telling them that they are dirty, broken, irredeemable, that no one will be able to look past this. That will need to be addressed separately. Prepare them for the real world they will face today and in 10 years so that they can leave your protective nest and soar. Another really big one is sexual identity. Many children between the ages of 6 and 10 are beginning to question their gender identity because they hear what others are saying about them and they, be, they believe um, what they hear. We must be attentive as these questions tend to be internally processed and traumatic. You can help them by painting a realistic picture of masculinity and femininity that does not tie activities to gender. Help them see that they are their biological sex and this isn't tied to the activities they enjoy or personality traits. The longer they linger on questions of identity, the more they will question everything. I personally know the battle for this one. I was an awkward preteen boy that loved pink and crocheting with my grandmother. I valued time with people and preferred long, deep conversations to watching sports. I still do. I loved music and played several instruments. This led to a lot of confusion as I was told that the things I enjoyed were for girls. So many boys and girls battle with similar feelings and struggle as they clash with their values, morals, and beliefs. This causes even more distress. Some people will tell them to claim a new identity, what they feel. Others will tell them to fight these feelings and suppress them. For some children, this confusion often centers on attraction to the same sex, and they are wondering what they are supposed to do with these feelings. For others, it is a personality quirk. This may become a battle for some as they get older and wonder why they have never had a date or even wanted to go out with someone of the opposite sex. This is real. Many, many, many preteens and teens will question their sexual identity. Most will settle it quietly and without worry or concern. Some will struggle. Many will be severely affected by these emotions and thoughts. Help them take these out of the mind, out of the dark, and process them out loud. Many will not want to talk to their parents about this either. 
This is a critical place to bring in a trusted mentor and friend with a similar biblical sexual ethic who is willing to have these hard conversations on your behalf and offer your child guidance. Several books have been written that can be of, of help to youth pastors and teens as they navigate these troubled waters. Do not do this alone. Seek counseling from a trusted, trained Christian counselor. Become knowledgeable by reading the work of those committed to a biblical sexual ethic or attending conferences or lectures. I highly re recommend resources from godly examples such as Mark Yarhouse, Preston Sprinkle, and Wesley Hill to families facing these issues. This is an honest and real struggle. Do not minimize your questions and the draw of the attraction. I have found that a powerful tactic to take as a parent or counselor is not to negate what they are feeling, but rather lean into the feeling and follow its natural progression. This sounds counterintuitive. Exactly. Listen to that narrative and ask lots of, and then what, type questions to help them decide if this is truly a path they want to go down. Then talk about the alternatives. This allows them, and us, to see that there are many paths and it is not always a simple answer. It's complicated. Allow it to be complicated. Be patient. Remember that in all that we do as parents, we are loving them with the long game in sight. We want to raise them in the way they should go. But for some, we may not see the fruit today or in the next 20 years. This is a sobering reality. Encourage them to always seek God's will for themselves by knowing his word. Help them to separate fact and feelings and identify thoughts that are intrusive so that they can consciously and intentionally decide for themselves. I know this sounds like we are talking about a 20-year-old, but I have had conversations with parents whose children are between the ages of 6 and 10 and are questioning themselves and their attractions and desires at this tender age. It happens all too often. Prepare yourselves and them for this possibility. Another really big important topic is dignity and modesty. We are teaching our sons and daughters about modesty and dignity every day, and we can be intentional as we make wise decisions. Let me give you a weird example. We have an Alaskan Malamute that lives in our house. It's, a, it's wild seeing this monstrous dog all over the house. He's huge, and the hair hits everywhere. He has free reign in the house, but he does not ever attempt to get on the furniture. The closest he ever gets is to raise a paw from a sitting position. Why? When he was a puppy, we always played with him on the floor. We sat on the floor. He was never picked up and allowed on the bed or furniture. He is bigger now and could hurdle the length of the couch, but he was trained. This is exactly what we are doing with our children and their future decision-making framework. It is being embedded day in and day out from birth. Teach your sons and daughters to honor others and themselves. This is dignity. Modesty reflects the heart. Help your children grow up aware of the impact of all their decisions, clothing choices, modesty. Teach your sons to be respectful regardless of what a girl is wearing. Teach your daughters when they are young to think ahead. Teach your sons that they are fully responsible for their actions, thoughts, and eyes. Teach your daughters to honor their brothers with their choice of clothing. This is dignity. This is not popular, yet still so important. We choose how we decide to raise our sons and daughters regarding dignity and modesty and how those are defined. Another really, really important topic is abuse and trauma. Many parents, more than we realize, must deal with abuse and trauma in their children's lives. The best parents, even those that are aware and involved, 
will miss something. Harm comes in all shapes and sizes. How do we prepare our children? You do this by giving them a voice, by giving them tools. We also give them the awareness that even trusted people may not always do good things. This is a hard concept to grasp at this age. It is the planting of seeds. Prepare them with the skills they need to fight or flee so, they, so that they will not freeze when faced with danger. Run through drills. We want to prepare our children to say no. We want our children to have the awareness to see potential harm and flee. Be a force in your children's lives that empowers them to stand up for themselves and others. Fear is a terrifying emotion for most of us. Help them to use that energy toward efforts of exposing and rescuing, not silence. Often parents may miss something with their child due to their own history and the harm they endured, but have not dealt with. Address these things and you will find you are more intuitive, less cloudy, and more aware of others' intentions. I find that many parents are reactive, undiscerning, and unknowingly contribute to the trauma their child is facing. I encourage you as strongly as I can to seek help and healing for yourself so that you can be fully available to your family. These are weighty matters, but I already feel like you are in a much better place than you were. Now, what about when your children hit the age of 11 plus? Thanks for tuning in to the Family Health Podcast. I hope these become valuable resources full of encouragement and challenges as you lead your family well and with confidence and definitely not alone. Find out more about marriage and family life coaching and consulting at healinglives.com. I want to help you and your family be successful in marriage, love, life, and family. Thank you to our sponsor, the Family Launch Academy. To get your family moving in the right direction quickly, check out our website, healinglives.com, for available options that will serve your family best from counseling and coaching to seminars, online courses, and more. It is an honor to serve.